Tonight I want to share with you very simply the most powerful word in the Bible. Before we do that, let's pray. Father in heaven, may we become radically, supernaturally changed tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's a small word. You have a consonant on one end and a consonant on the other, and right in the middle is a little tiny vowel. It's a word that is often overlooked. In fact, you can read it in this verse that I'm going to give you in a little while, and you can literally just overlook it and and not even pay attention to it. So I have a question for you. Are you ready to grab hold of the most powerful word in the Bible? Well, I can't give it to you just yet. I have to give you some background information. This special word is found in Luke chapter 6. Jesus literally just had started his ministry. And one day he made his way up a mountainside. The Bible tells us that he spent the entire day there as well as spending the night. So you know it was pretty important for him to do that. What was he praying for? Well, Bible tells us in Luke 6 that when morning came, He had surrounded himself with some men, some disciples, not his 12 just yet, but some disciples. And he called them all together on this mountainside. And the Bible says that he selected 12. 12 men who would be the world changers to launch his ministry. Once they were selected, the Bible says that they walked down to a plain, P-L-A-I-N. In fact, you've heard of Sermon on the Mount. This actually is called the Sermon on the Plain. There are two distinct messages that were given at two different times. And as they were walking down on this level plain, the Bible tells us that a crowd gathered around them. They came from neighboring cities like New Iberia, Karen Crow, and as far away as Dusan. The Bible tells us that these people came to Jesus For one reason and one reason only. So are you ready to hear the most powerful word ever spoken by Jesus? Well, I can't tell you just yet. 
But what I can tell you is why the crowd was making its way to see Jesus. In fact, in Luke 6, 19, it says, And the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. That's a good place to say amen. Immediately following this little encounter with the crowd, Jesus privately met with his disciples away from the crowd. In fact, Luke tells us in verse 20, it says that he was looking at his disciples very intently and purposefully. You've heard the phrase, dynamite comes in small packages, right? Well, the word that I'm about to give you is indeed explosive. It's very matter of fact. It's very straightforward. It's very direct and it's very powerful. Three simple letters. I first want to show you the verse without the word in it. <clears throat> In Luke 6, 21, Jesus says to his disciples in a private little setting, blessed are you who hunger, again, I'm purposely leaving the word out, for you will be, what, satisfied. Now to us, that's a great verse right there, even without the word, right? Would you agree? Blessed are those who hunger, for you're going to be satisfied. So are you ready to see the word? Have I whet your appetite? Here's the word. Blessed are you who hunger now. For you're going to be satisfied. Remember, a crowd was trying to touch him because they witnessed themselves the power. Jesus says to my disciples, you need a hunger like those guys right now. So in my opinion, now is the most powerful word in the Bible. If you want a full belly, go to Dino's and get the pizza of the month. But if you want to be fully satisfied spiritually, deep down in your soul, deep down in every fiber of your body, Jesus says, you've got to hunger now, guys. No delay, not tomorrow, not, not, not uh, next week or not even next year. Don't even think about it, disciples. You need to hunger like the, this crowd is doing right now at this very moment and experience the power that is coming from me. That's what he was telling his disciples. You see, <clears throat> Jesus wanted his disciples to live free. And I think it's very important that we're in a message and Pastor Todd just spoke on live free. So this message kind of coincides with his. But why 
express the time frame of now. I read this verse about three or four weeks ago in my daily t- quiet time, and I was literally, the, the brakes stopped. And I couldn't read any further. In fact, I didn't care, bad to say, but I, I literally camped at this verse. I couldn't go any further. I wanted to, but I could not. The Spirit just had me right here. And the word now just came off the page. Why now? Is it possible that Jesus had a glimpse into the lives of the disciples? Maybe a couple of them were struggling. Maybe a couple of them were going through marriage conflict. Maybe some of them were possibly going through some issues with children. Maybe they were fighting depression. I don't know. But I know this, that there was a reason why Jesus said hunger now. He wanted simply the disciples to live free without allowing circumstances to get in the way, without allowing emotions to get in the way. And it's like that for us. He wants us tonight to be able to break free from the struggles and from everything that is going on, not only in our world, but even within our own life. But here's the reality. People, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled Christians will run from now. They will avoid now. They will step over now. They will do everything in their power, in their power, to stiff arm hungering now. And the problem is, is that they stay in a mode of wait. I'll wait and hunger after God. You want to know what waiting looks like? I'll just come to church and play church. I'll attend church to make my spouse happy. I don't need the Bible to tell me what to do. I can handle my temper. I'm not going to come to wild game because I'm not a hunter. So what if 50, almost 50 men last year gave their life to Christ? I don't need wild game. I don't need to hunger and come to that event. I can handle my issues on my own. I've been saved 25 years. I don't have time to devote and hunger after God. After all, I work 14 and 14. I've been hurt by church before, so I'll stay at arm's length. That's what waiting looks like. You know, I've had many people walk into my office for advice, for counsel. They come with many issues and struggles and things that they're dealing with. And that's what we do for a living. We, we sit and we listen and we try to give them a truth. We try to give them some help as best as we can. 
And every time they come in, one of the first questions that I will ask someone or a couple is, tell me about your spiritual life right now. Tell me about your spiritual journey. And you know what most of them will say? Oh, I come to church mm, about twice a month. I've told people, I'm not asking your attendance record. I'm asking where you are spiritually. And I've had people kind of get mad when I kind of prod in that area. And I had one guy prodding me not long ago. And I told him, I'm not a drive through I'm not McDonald's where you can come and order a number three and you want me to supersize it for you and give you a little piece of advice, but you're not pursuing God. Let me tell you that God is not a drive through God. He counsels us. He gives us everything we need. He sets us free. He liberates us to live. He's the one desiring fellowship with us because in Psalm 117 too, it says this, for great is his love towards us. He wants a relationship with us. <clears throat> Tonight, I want to let you know that avoiding now can be a very dangerous territory. And I want to share with you three quick observations about avoiding now. Number one, the longer I avoid now, the greater the cost. What cost are you talking about, Ron? Well, the cost of losing a relationship. The cost of not living free. People are hurting all around us. They're in marriages. They're suffering. They can't get along or, or, or there's discourse between a father and, and a son and, 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 and there's issues at work and everyone is struggling, but yet they won't seek help. They would rather stay mad at their spouse than hunger now. They would rather let the chips fall where they may than hunger now. They would rather wait and think, well, everything is going to be okay eventually than hunger now. Let me tell you, and, and if you're taking notes, you, you need to write this down. Today's delay is tomorrow's price tag. Today's delay is tomorrow's price tag. Number 1613 says this. This is the Israelites, God's people, talking to Moses. Isn't it enough that you brought us out of Egypt, Moses, a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us here in the wilderness? And, and, and now you're going to treat us like your subjects? Whoa, 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 whoa. I got saved two years ago. I'm good. I don't have to do any. I don't have to pursue God. That's what these people were saying. You delivered us. Thank you for doing that. But you know what? I'm stopping right here. You see, when we delay getting help, the cost goes up. When we delay attending maybe a life group or a Bible study to hunger now, 
there's a cost involved. When we stay in the bleachers and not get on the field, it can be very costly. When we stiff arm others, when it comes to fellowship, we lose out on seeing men at wild game give their life to Christ. I asked Pastor Brandon today, how many men? I couldn't remember. I know it was a lot. He said, I think it was around 50. When we stiff arm and say, I don't need to pursue God anymore. I don't need to go to a wild game. We're missing out on seeing lives radically changed for the better. And to hear the gospel for the very first time for many of these men coming. Maybe God has called you to do something in the kingdom. And your heart is even pounding right now because you know that he's been knocking on your door for a very long time. And you've been delaying. You know what? You could be costing someone that needs you to help them. Today's delay is tomorrow's price tag. Why not eliminate that price tag and come out to our Freedom Weekend, October 20th and 21st? It's only $15. But if you want to be liberated to live, it will change your life. Let me give you a sneak peek at what maybe possibly that could happen on that weekend. Maybe, 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 maybe you've been struggling for a very long time and you've not been able to figure it out. I'm telling you, God will meet you on that weekend. You can simply sign up in the foyer at the info center. Well, I don't know my schedule and I don't, you know, buy a ticket in faith and buy a ticket for someone else in faith. Amen. Luke says, all the people were trying to touch me or excuse me, touch him. The men coming next Friday night, they're coming to touch him. Jesus said, disciples, do you see what this crowd is doing? He says, I need you to hunger now for you will be satisfied. Number two, the longer I avoid now, the more comfortable I become. True story, there was a couple <clears throat> from the United States that wanted to go to <clears throat> Barcelona, Spain to witness a big soccer international tournament. And there were church folks, this couple, and before they left, they Googled English-speaking Bible studies slash churches in Barcelona. 
And so they found one. In fact, it's uh, right off of uh, La Rambla. Michelle and I had the opportunity of walking down that street last year in Barcelona. It's right near um, the Mediterranean Sea. It's a beautiful street lined with shops, and, and it's very, very picturesque. But they found one about two blocks off of La Rambla Street. And so the, the, the United States couple, they, the, the wife emailed the wife of the couple in Barcelona, and the, they were like, yes, please, when y'all get here, this is our phone number, this is our address, look us up, please, please, please come. So anyway, the couple from the United States flies over, <clears throat> they spend a few days uh, at the soccer tournament, and um, about two days uh, at, at the tail end of it, they finally called, and the couple in Barcelona says, yes, we're meeting tonight. Come on. And so the, the couple from the United States, they, they, it was a meet and greet for them. And of course, there was a lot of English speaking Americans that were living there. And, uh, you know, the Bible study was great. And then they asked the question, how did y'all wind up in Barcelona with a, with a church? And, this young, the, the young wife of, from Barcelona says, have you ever heard of El Camino de Santiago? The lady says, no. She says, in English, it's called the way of St. James. And though there are numerous routes, the most famous is the 500 mile trek across northern Spain into <clears throat> the Pyrenees of, of France. All the way to Santiago de Compostela. I hope I said that right, Luli where the remains of St. James are supposedly buried. She says, when I was in college in the United States, <clears throat> I, did a, I did some research because I wanted to do something out the box. And I found out about this 500-mile trek, that people take this trek to get alone with God and to really spend several days, because it takes about 30 to 45 days to, to complete this trek. And of course, she caught the attention of this young girl from the United States. And she says, hands down, it was the greatest experience in my life. She says, the whole point of my pilgrimage was to have 30 plus days completely focused on God. She says, you know, in the States, there was enough Christian culture to propel me along. She says, I was in constant services, Bible studies, little girls groups, uh, youth groups, Sunday school, fellowship nights. Every week, every month, there was something at my church. She says, this created a dichotomy. I was trapped and I was safe. But when I made this trek, I felt a nudging of God to keep me here in Spain. And she says, and I quote, living in Europe, all of those safeguards are now gone. There's no one dragging you to church. There's no weekly structure that will keep you on the straight and narrow. Living here in Barcelona has opened my mind and eyes and has been shocking as well as liberating. I still maintain most of the fundamentals I was raised with in the United States. And hungering and pursuing God. She says, here you have to want it, and you have to fight for it. The very next day, the couple from the United States had to board a plane to come back to America. The nine-hour flight was filled with tears as well as conversation. 
amongst the husband and wife. The Bible study rocked their world, not so much with the content, but what that couple told them. She says the common denominator on the plane ride home was this. She says, for my husband and I, our faith up to this point has been shaped by where we live on a map. Because we live in the, in Alabama, in the, in the Bible belt of the South. And it took a trip across the globe for God to speak to me. She says, comfortable and complacency are the perfect words that describe my husband and I's life in the United States. And then she says this. If my Christian life feels comfortable, I'm doing it wrong. That got my attention real quick. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Tweet that. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Let me tell you what it says in Deuteronomy 4, 25. It says this in the New Revised Standard Version. When you have had children and children's children and become complacent in the world, excuse me, in the land, if you act corruptly by making an idol in the form of anything, thus doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God and provoking Him to anger, in verse 27 it says this, the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. And further in verse 28 it says, there you will serve other gods made by human hands, objects of wood, stone that neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. When we avoid now by becoming complacent and comfortable, some things can happen to us. Our true weaknesses are masked by our strength, our fake strength. Satisfaction as the, as the way things are becomes our way of life. Rejections of things as they could be breeds apathy. And reaching out and trying to touch Him, that is Jesus, for healing like the crowd did, only occurs when tragedy in our life arises. Number three, the longer I avoid now, the more footholds are gained by the enemy. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, says, be self-controlled and alert. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I thought, I was thinking about that word devour. It's interesting that Jesus just spoke and said, you got a hunger. Devour is an interesting word because I believe that too many Christians are having lunch with Satan. He's been given entrance to many things in our lives. And I'm serious when I said earlier, we're drawing the line tonight to shut the entrances. He's literally wreaking havoc, and you know that. You, you see it in the world, but we also see it in our own lives. He's destroying marriages. He's pitting siblings against each other. He's putting father against son, mother against daughter. People no longer have respect for authority. The opinions shared on Facebook have no filter. 
And so here's something else that you can tweet. Today's lunch date with Satan is tomorrow's dessert. A small three-letter word changed the lives of the crowd. Let me tell you what they did. They nowed, N-O-W apostrophe E-D. I just made up a word, and that's all right. I have the pulpit. I can do that, right, Pastor Brandon? They embraced now. They bear-hugged now. They held on to now because they had to touch him. So I have two questions for you tonight. What is preventing you from hungering for God now? What's one thing that's holding you back? And I'm going to touch on some nerves tonight, but it's for a good reason. Is it the weight of rejection from your parents? Is it not feeling God's love? Is it complacency? Is it pride that has settled in? Could be unbelief. Maybe you've had too many lunches with Satan. Feeling of not being worthy. Maybe you've been struggling and you haven't been able to hunger now because of grief. Maybe you've endured a broken heart or even a breakup. Maybe fear has gotten to you. Maybe your past has gotten in the way. Maybe, maybe you're, uh, there's some unforgiveness that has caused some alignment issues in other relationships. Maybe it's the panic of the world events that even happened today. Maybe you've been hurt by another church. Maybe you've been hurt by a church leader. Maybe there's a generational curse that has been simply been passed down from previous generations. Maybe you've been struggling with depression. Could it be that there's a denominational tie to a previous church that maybe is not like ours? Is it that you've been out of church for a long time and you feel like you can't make a connection? Maybe you feel like, I'm not good enough. Or maybe you feel like you don't deserve to feel the satisfaction from God, as it says in 621. And so the second question is, what are you waiting for? Maybe for the stars and the moon to line up. Maybe you're waiting for your life to get a little better. Then you might hunger. Maybe for some circumstances to move in the right direction. Pastor Todd is right now in a brand new series called Next. And so I have a question for you. Are you just simply ready to take the next step? And move out of a mode of waiting to pursue God 
and move into a direction of pursuing God right now. Luke 6.19, we're going to put it back up for you. And all, excuse me, and the people, all, A-L-L. Not 30%. Not those that had a good breakfast this morning. Not those whose mama and daddy go to church. But it says, all tried to touch him. The Bible says that the cities were Judea and Jerusalem and some coastal regions. When it says crowd, it wasn't like, you know, 35 people. I'm imagining hundreds and maybe thousands of people. Every single one of them wanting to touch him because they saw the power of God coming from him. We're going to play a song right now, and I just want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> you can also look up on the screen for this song. <clears throat> but after the song, I will invite any one of you who feel as if you haven't been hungering now. If you want to hunger now tonight, if you want to break free and get liberated to finally live. I want to lay hands on you and break that off of you. I need some folks up here to come and minister and help just maybe, just maybe be behind. But tonight is their night of breakthrough. It could be a night for you to get a breakthrough as well. Tonight we are breaking the powers of darkness off of the people that tonight they're being set free and they are no longer in the state of avoidance. They're hungering now. They're desiring God now. They're desiring the power of God, more power in their life. And I am praying that they are going to be liberated they're going to be liberated and freed tonight to finally live. Hallelujah. 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 Let me, let me pray over you. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your spirit alive and well tonight. We thank you for the souls that are here tonight. I pray, Father, you just simply change us out of complacency and being comfortable. I pray, Lord, you change us and you're shutting the doors, the entrance, the entrance to the enemy's foothold is being shut tonight. I pray your blessing on the congregation, Lord, as they go. Lord, help them. Help them desire you more than ever, Lord. Like the crowd, Lord, they just simply want to touch you. Now, now, Lord, we hunger for you and can't wait 
for the victories and to be liberated to live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amen, you're dismissed.